What a neat interview we have for you today, my friends. The crazy cool thing is I just met Andy a couple weeks ago at the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference, and I just knew that you had to meet him too. Stay tuned as we take you on this super mission around the world. What superhero do you relate to most? I'm so curious, why? Each of us has our own innate nuclear power. It's God-given, and yet we're all out here wondering, searching, forgetting, and suppressing. I know I was. It's okay, no judgments here, but I am gonna get real. As a life and career coach, it's kind of my job. And you chose the show, so no one is forcing you. But the force is real. And the question I really wanna ask is, What's your superpower? I'm Sharon Davenport. I've been called a real-life Wonder Woman. This show is designed to activate you alongside other superheroes. It's time that you arise, put your cape on, and fly. Andy Ziesmer is the president of a Jesus Mission, a Christian missions organization that equips the found and finds the lost. Andy and his wife, Sarah, have been married since 2004 and live in Washington State with their two-year-old daughter, May. Andy is a musician who has performed around the world in places you may not want to visit, shining light into the dark as a beacon of hope. Recently, a Jesus Mission released their book on living out the mission of Jesus called Our Mission in Christ, the a Jesus Mission's effort to take food into the Ukraine, the Ukrainian war zone. And their main mission is pushing people to live out the mission of Jesus around them every day. Welcome, Andy. So great to have you here today. So good to be with you. Thanks, Sharon. What an honor that you would invite me to come and be a part of this show. Well, absolutely. Well, when we when I connected with you and we were having dinner and I was just like, holy cow, there's no way. And Ransom was like, you got to have him on your show. And I was like, well, of course. Uh, love <laughs> that was a really you. good dinner as well. It was very <laughs> encouraging to have dinner with you guys. Definitely. It was, it was great. So, okay. One of the questions that I ask everybody who comes onto my show is, okay. um, who is your favorite superhero and why? I don't, I don't watch a lot of movies, so I, I'm like really bad at this part, but um, I do have a two-year-old, so we watch a lot of shows like The Incredibles and things mm -hmm. like that. And so I'm going to go with the dad in The Incredibles. He, you no. know, he just kind of like <laughs> doesn't really fit in certain situations, but, it, but that's where he's supposed to be. So let's mm -hmm. go with that guy. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, actually, I don't know his name either, but I know who he's big old guy. He's incredible. He's incredible. Like, right, Mr. Incredible. I think it's literally Mr. Incredible. So I, I that's, think you're right. let's just go with that one. <laughs> Not, but, you know, I know they have like different names, like, you know, Peter Parker and, yeah, and the, yeah. the different, and, you know, all the different names, but we'll just go with Mr. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. There was, so. there was a part, I was just recently watching that with my daughter, and there was a part mm -hmm. where he's, this kid is sitting there watching, and he gets upset or something, and he lifts the car, and the kid's sitting there like, and he gets out and the kid's like, what? He's like, what are you waiting for? And the kid just goes, something incredible, I guess. Oh. And he's just watching this guy, watching his, him live his life. And I just, that's kind of why I, I think I'm going to go with that guy. Because people around us are watching us live our lives. And yeah. especially if we have this enormous power that comes from the Lord, then they're watching. We, we should put that to work. 
Absolutely, man. That's a, that's a great correlation to it. And how many times are we actually watching something incredible, but yet we don't recognize it as the for the power that it is? Yeah, come um, on, right? Oh man, that's so good. Um, I love that. Uh, that's why I love asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> if so, I didn't have a two year old, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even have an answer for you. Well, so. you know, it's, it's fascinating <laughs> who people, what people define as a superhero, and yeah. that's why I leave that question. Mm up to you guys to answer because because they there's been some really cool really cool responses and for those of you listening go back and want, listen to some of my other that's episodes a, so you can you can hear what people say around awesome. that <laughs> that's brilliant right Love so it. um so okay next question is what would you say your superpower your personal superpower mm. is and how do you use it every day in your day-to-day -day? i was asking my wife because I, I I knew you were going to ask a question like that, and I was like, mm -hmm. ask my wife, what do you, what would you say it is? And she was like, uh, said she said, I guess collecting air miles and things like that probably don't <laughs> count, but that's, that's great. <laughs> that's my, that's those are lot. just hobbies, I guess. Um, I think probably if I was going to list out a superpower, it's helping people identify a lane they can be in to run, mm. and so. A lot of times being a missionary sending organization, that's 99% of it. It's just helping people bump into where like, oh, we see God's called you to this. So you have this capacity. Mm -hmm. If you scoot over one lane, you're going to fly. And I think, I think being able to help kind of source or help people think through that and get, get in a spot they can run. That's probably my superpower. I love that. I love that. That's a, that is a superpower. That is a gift because so many people are seeking and they're, they're lost and they don't mm -hmm. know. And then they hop lanes. Like they, they're like hop lanes. Uh, and then when you're hopping lanes, you're not moving forward. You're going yeah. side to side. Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah, so, so that, that is a fantastic superpower for sure. So I, I think it's just part yeah. of our job as being the church <laughs> It is, mm -hmm. is, doing that to one another. So uh, it, I guess you could also just call that making disciples. <laughs> hey, that's a fantastic superpower. For sure. Yeah, come For on. Sure. And so because when people, uh, whenever somebody goes from being from lost to being found, you know, mm -hmm. they need to be discipled as well. Yeah. And in that process, so as you create help to create disciples, then then more and more people can um to can find their lane and operate yep. in their lane. So exactly it. Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So I know I got to hear a little bit of your story, but, um, and, and I have another questions around your story later, yeah. but, um, yeah. so how, how does someone go from Christian entertainer to a man with a mission? Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's, it's not a story that I would have expected to be able to tell uh, Christian entertainer. So I was in a touring rock band since I was like 18 years old. I graduated high school and immediately got married and hit the road in a rock band. And so for years we were touring countries. I think I played music in like 45 different wow. countries or something, Wow, which is insane, especially being a, a guy from a small town in rural Washington. Mm -hmm. I grew up, we had, we had goats and chickens. And I like, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Two goats it. named Peter and Lucy from the Chronicles nice. or from uh, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I went from like being a kid feeding Peter and Lucy to like living my life out of bags on the road full time. Mm -hmm. And so as we were doing that, I was in this band and we were touring and we were playing around the world, but we were very intentional with why we played music mm -hmm. and it was to share the hope of the gospel with people. Yeah. And so as we were traveling, we would 
oftentimes, whenever possible, do that those events alongside local churches. Mm-hmm. And as we were doing that, as we were going and we were meeting local churches in, I don't know, just pick a city, Paris, France. We would mm-hmm. work with a church there. And in Paris, uh, like... 99% of people you encounter are not Bible-believing Christians. Less than 1% of the people living in Paris, which is a city of, if you count all the suburbs, like 16 million people, is you're, every person you play music for is going to have not heard the gospel necessarily in the way 100%. that you're going to present it. And so 100%. our band was doing that. Well, as we were doing that, we were staying in missionaries' homes. We were staying in pastors' homes. We were staying in our friends' homes. And yeah. we were just sitting, listening to their stories for uh, years. Literally, I look back yeah. now, I'm like, we had 15 years of research and development of what yeah. it takes to keep missionaries on the field. Because they would tell us the stories they wouldn't maybe tell their home church. Or they would mm-hmm. like hesitate to tell their supporters, you know, like, oh, our marriage is really struggling or our finances are struggling, or we have some debt we're trying, we just can't figure out how to tackle, or Mm -hmm. our kids are crying themselves to sleep at night because they don't speak the language. Those are things that we would just hear. And as we were going, our band realized we can help be the church in that lane. Mm -hmm. Like once our perspective was shifted and we saw it, there's a verse in James that just hits me every time It, it says, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, if you know the good you're, you're supposed to do and you don't do it, you're sinning. Um, And, and we, as the church, I think that's most of our job. Most of the time, isn't necessarily to wait for some enormous calling, but to go, I see something that I can do. I have the capacity. Um, We were good at talking about our, my superpower, pushing people into the right lane. Like Mm -hmm. we were good at finding people who didn't know how to get involved and Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, come, come along <laughs> in the yeah. band world. You just say, get in the bus. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so we're like basically shifting around the country and the world, mm-hmm. just going, get in the bus, be a part of this and let's see what happens. And so that's how we became a missions organization. And so to date, I think we have more than 120 missionaries in 18 yeah. countries right now uh, with like 20 people in the application or onboarding process at any given time, because people are looking for how to be involved. Uh, they just don't mm-hmm. necessarily know where or how. And so that's how we went from rock and roll band to missions organization. <laughs> oh man, that that's so dynamic. And what what a gift to be in the room with the people that are making an impact in the local yeah. area that they have they've signed up, they've sacrificed to serve mm-hmm. and then you're able to hear yeah, maybe what they're not telling their home church or the the other people and how they're suffering. And I love how you put that of you had 15 years of research and development. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true. You were literally yeah. real world right there. Yeah. Listening to their stories and holy cow. Um, what a, what a gift. And they had no idea. Yeah. No. <laughs> Neither did you. Neither right? did I at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> At that, at that moment, you're just sitting there mourning with people as mm-hmm. they're struggling through something, or you're laughing with them as they're laughing about weird situations that occur to them on the missions field. And you're just living your life alongside them, but really gathering that information and going, we can do something with yeah. that. That's, that, was, that was a turning point for us. Sure, sure. And especially, yeah. The, so it's like, it's the, you're serving those who uh, are, are serving the masses too. Yeah. I I love that. I love how you were able to listen first and foremost, they just needed somebody to listen to them as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of like weird situations, you, you probably have like a million stories you could share with us, but 
have you ever had like a close call or a scary situation that you've mm. dealt with while you've been dealing while you've been on the mission field? Yeah, I you could define you, we could pick a close call in any range of categories. <laughs> you know, sure. close call yeah. to danger, close call to, you know, just going home because of lack of resources or, mm, or I, yeah. I don't know, do you want to narrow it down even more or you want me to just pick something, pick something and tell a so story. Close call in like scary situation. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that, that had you, had you question, oh my gosh, what are we really supposed to be here? And then how yeah. God got you, you know, moved you through that situation. Yeah. I think, yeah, I could, I could talk about these for hours, but I'll okay. tell you this one that I kind of, I kind of come back to this story a lot because it, it wasn't even an enormous amount of money, but it's funny how even talking to missionaries, so many of them, money is the thing that stresses them out about staying where they are. Even though mm -hmm. we know God is a provider, we're used to seeing right. him provide. We, it, we still hesitate. <laughs> I, 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 it's no wonder that when the disciples were walking with Jesus, like they would always ask the dumbest questions, even though they just watched <laughs> a miracle happen, you know, mm -hmm. in the chapter before they're like, Oh, but well, how, how are we going to do this God? And he's like, come guys, come on. Well, <laughs> right. We had, um, this was a long time ago, but I think it's just kind of a picture of stepping in faith and how God uses little sure. things to move to big things. There was a day where I'm, I live right outside Portland, Oregon area. Mm -hmm. And so from here to Boise, Idaho is about a six to seven hour drive, more like 10 when you have a van and trailer with full of band <laughs> sure. gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had our trailer and we were going and we were driving and we got there to the first event, which was in Boise, Idaho. And it was going to be like a month long tour around America. And mm -hmm. we got there and when we left, we had $300 in the bank account. I remember that exactly. We had $300. And this was, you know, a few years ago, gas was a little cheaper than it is now, but still <laughs> essentially to, to head out on the road, we would spend everything we had to get to the first event. And then mm. you'd sell t-shirts and CDs and, you know, like, the, whatever money you made there was what got you to the next event. And wow. we did that for years. Well, we got to Boise uh, and we had played this event and they were guaranteeing us like $500 was mm -hmm. the guarantee mm -hmm. for the band, which for most rock and roll bands back in the day, that was like, we're going to make 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we get there, we play the event. And at the end they, they said, Oh, sorry, we actually don't have any money. And we're like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> we drove yeah. here based off of your invitation. And so, wow. uh, we, we had no money. <laughs> they, they didn't have any money to pay us. We did the event. We, we were going to sleep in our friend's house in Boise, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Uh, that friend's name is Noah. Uh, and Noah was just letting our band come and stay, stay in their living room, you know, and we're there mm -hmm. sleeping on his floor. And I remember it had this blue shag carpet rug <laughs> and we're sleeping on air mattresses <laughs> and we're, yeah, it was, I can remember these moments because they, they're like kind of, they're pivotal moments sure. and where you like the moment, the, the situation, I remember it because you're just sitting here going, what are we doing here? Like okay. I have a nice bed. I have a wife at home. I have uh, mm -hmm. all of these things. I could have stayed with my other job, but instead now I'm sleeping on a air mattress in Boise, Idaho on a blue shag carpet with no <laughs> money to go to Denver tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we're just like, I remember the band meeting where we literally sat there and we said, "Are should we just, should we just use a credit card and go home? Like none mm -hmm. of us had family members we could call and ask to help with the money. Or sure. anything. We just yeah. said, should we just go? Should we just call the whole tour quits? Well, mm -hmm. um, 
our friend Noah had no idea we were even having that conversation because we we're having it out in the alley before we went into his house. And we're just like, let's just make a decision in the morning. Uh, maybe we should just cancel the whole tour. The Lord clearly isn't going to provide for us to be doing this. Let's just go home. And we go in and we get all ready for bed. And, and just before we shut off all the lights, Noah comes out and he hands me a, a literal rolled up wad of cash. And he goes, we, my wife and I just felt like the Lord said to give you guys this. This is all we had in the house. And it was $300 exact, which was literally the exact amount we needed to get to the next city. And that whole trip was just stories like that over and over again, where every day we're like, God, are we supposed to be doing this? How are we going to survive? And somebody somehow somewhere the Lord provides through people uh, over and over again. And so those were scary moments when we were stepping sure. out in faith, because back then it was like, we're stepping in faith for $300. Now, as we're an organization that's doing work, like in Ukraine, for example, yeah. now we're stepping out in faith going, we might not come home tomorrow. The people right. that are running out to the front lines of the war might not come home tomorrow, but have we counted the cost of that? Mm -hmm. That's scary when you count the yeah. cost. For us back then, it was $300. That, mm -hmm. that was a tangible cost that we could, we could put to numbers. Uh, but in doing that over and over again, we grew in our faith to where yeah. now when it's like, Hey, we can run to the front lines of a war zone uh, as an organization because we know God has proven himself over and over again. So that's probably 10,000 <laughs> times scarier than what we dealt with back then. But in the moment, it's the same fear. A hundred percent. And man, there's so much from that. You guys that are listening and watching, there's so much there. I mean, isn't it just like God to use the situations we go through to build mm -hmm. our faith along the way? Yeah. And so because he knew too, that if he didn't have these little situations put where you had to totally trust mm -hmm. on him, trust in him, then, then how could he have entrusted you with the big calling that he, you, that you're doing now and yeah. where you're going to the front lines. And we'll talk yeah. about that here in just a moment um, for sure. And then yeah. and it also, it, I saw the picture and when you were talking, I saw the picture picture of you know when you have the old the, the old lantern when you're mm. carrying that lantern and it's pitch black outside sometimes you can only see the next where your foot's going to go next yeah. that yeah. next step in front of you and you have mm -hmm. to trust the lantern the light to show you that next step and as you continue yeah. walking so um so that's that's the christian faith as you walk out what god's called you to do that's just a picture of the christian faith that lantern and just step and going okay uh -huh. To Boise today, Nikolai of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Holy cow. Holy cow. So um, a little, little deviation here, like yeah. side note on this. So inquiring minds want to know, and, and it may be top, top secret. I understand, you know, but is there like a missions league, you know, like there's mm. like a superheroes, like justice league, <laughs> <laughs> like a mission. League I think so. One another. I think, I think there is. And I think I get to be friends with all of those guys. They, I get to work alongside like the cream of the crop in that regard so yeah it's but it's it's not super exclusive we're pretty invitational <laughs> for a it. second i thought you were going to ask about our, our like a jesus mission missionary fantasy football league i was like oh. you can, we can invite you to that next year if you want oh that's hilarious that's <laughs> hilarious uh, no I, i'm more in the superhero lane than that yeah. but that's cool <laughs> That's great. So, so, yeah. So speaking of the Ukraine, can you share yeah. with us a little bit about, you know, what a Jesus mission is doing there and, and what you guys have encountered, experienced, yeah. um, just a little bit around that right now? Yeah. So to give you the back story for 60 seconds, we 
we're not an aid organization. That's not what a Jesus mission does. We care for missionaries. We, we follow people nice. into whatever God's called them to do, right? Mm-hmm. So if a missionary is doing something, we come alongside and just say, how can we help push? How can we bring strength to what you're already yeah. doing, what God's doing through you somewhere? So when Ukraine started happening, when the invasion started, um, my little brother lives as a missionary in Budapest, Hungary, which if you're familiar with the geography is just a train ride over from um, like Lviv. You you can take a train from there right over into Hungary. And so that was one of the cities receiving thousands and thousands and thousands of refugees Mm. um, to the tune of hundreds of thousands. Uh, In the, in the days following the war in those first few weeks, there was 8 million people uh, in the last data I read that, evacuated. And so they were flooding all of those cities and the borders were just insane. The miles long waits. And I had one friend who waited in his car. He's a missionary in Lviv, um, Ukraine. He waited in his car with his four family members and their dog for three days Oh my god! in the line. Like you can't get out like three entire days waiting in line to get out into Poland. And so that was going on all around. And we had people, um, the and relationships and, and capacity to go and be involved in some way. And so we just went and we just started exploring. Um, I myself flew over to see my brother in Budapest and started going from there up to Poland, kind of looking into how we could, uh, we're just looking, where are we going to do something? How, right. what can we even do? And at that point we had no money to do anything. <laughs> we just literally, and, and we, we had no people necessarily free to do something because all of our missionaries have their own Right. fields. They can't just yeah. like pick up and leave. Um, but there was a team from Kosovo, Pristina, Kosovo, which is where I'm actually flying tomorrow. Uh, wow. It's uh, down in the, it's former Yugoslavia down on the South side of Serbia, West of, or East of Albania and Montenegro. Um, there's a, we have a coffee shop there in a Jesus mission. And those guys took a van full of people and just mm-hmm. drove North and started crawling the Romania border, looking and going, where can we help? Where can we wow. serve? How can we just be involved again? Just equip the found, right? That was right. our goal. Find right. like a local body of believers doing something and get involved. Well, right. in the beginning, we we like made a post saying we're going to Ukraine. Um, uh, I, I shared a like a picture of these ID badges we'd made to just identify ourselves as aid workers, and I said, if you want to come, uh, here's a like basically a Google form. Fill this out and let <laughs> us know. Within days, we had I think 300 applications of wow. people saying I want to be a part and serve. And one of the check boxes we had was. Are you willing to go into Ukraine or not? And mind you, like when we were asking this question, the threat levels were enormous. People didn't know what was going to happen, where the strikes were going to be. I think 90% of the people that said they wanted to come help serve checked, yes, I'm willing to go into Ukraine. While people were fleeing Ukraine, the Mm -hmm. church was responding and saying, send us in. Where is there Mm -hmm. a spot to serve? Mm -hmm. Well, in the beginning... Uh, we made a documentary about this called Into Ukraine, uh, mm-hmm. a story of being the church in a war zone. And you can watch that on a jesusmission.org. But the, um, this, the story that this, this is the fast track version of that story. We started out the first like 20 grand we raised, we bought air mattresses or mattresses, <laughs> not air mattresses. Yeah. We bought mattresses yeah. and we just started taking them to churches that we knew of that were hosting refugees. And mm-hmm. so we delivered like a truckload, $20,000 worth of mattresses and blankets and pillows because that was all we could do. That was the thing right. we knew how to do right then. Well, mm-hmm. over the course of time, we bought some vans uh, and partnered with a local church in Romania, inclusion of Romania. They have been just the most phenomenal yes. partner. Well, we partnered with them, bought seven vans and started we rented a warehouse. We started going to their version of Costco. It's called Metro in Europe. <laughs> okay. And we uh-huh. would just buy everything, 
everything uh-huh. <laughs> in the beginning baby food was an enormous oh, need yeah. babies were starving to death because oh there gosh. was no formula and so we would send team members out just crawling crawling Romain, romania looking for any store with baby food and we'd buy it all and we would put that in vans and just drive right in to where we had relationships and we started doing that well to date, now that team has taken well over a million pounds of food to the very front lines. <laughs> now a Jesus mission goes to the areas of most need where we don't see anybody else going or when we hear of a village that has had no resource for six Amen. months, that's where our team goes. And so that's why I say I'm working with the cream of the crop. These people are literally counting the cost, putting on bulletproof armor or wow. body armor and saying, if I lose my life so that these people can have food, but they hear the gospel, yeah. then I'll go. And so that's what we're doing today. We have team members uh, literally banging on doors in villages that were just deoccupied, like liberated. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they go around banging on doors, seeing if there's anybody left alive and give them food and gospel tracks. And they're gearing up for winter. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it'll be probably snowing in a lot right. of the parts where, right. um, where we're serving. And so they're even figuring out how can we get um, little wood stoves <laughs> like yeah. oh, and yeah. firewood. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. even bringing over like a team to come just chop firewood in Ukraine that's going to get to the front lines to save people's lives. That's what uh, Jesus Missions people are doing inside Ukraine. And it's been an honor to work alongside those guys that was not a two-minute story but i <laughs> I loved it thank you so much yeah. for for sharing i'm so glad that it, that everyone listening has been able to hear because i was right there with you i was like yeah. crawling the borders with you when you were talking yeah. about that and and it just really you know god has laid ukraine on my heart so much mm. and and my prayers have been um like even this morning you know some sometimes i forget to pray for everything i want to pray for but this yeah. morning it was not even leading up to this interview is this god put ukraine on my heart again and and you know it really does make the things that we think sometimes are so important in our day to day seem so minor as opposed yeah. to the fact that somebody can't feed their baby. Somebody yep. can't, somebody needs a wood stove. The modern yeah. conveniences that we have that are available today and that yeah. a lot of, most of these people were living with until the war started, you know, you're bringing little pieces of that back in. So thank you for your yeah. service. Thank you for serving the missionaries who have there. And what a beautiful way to do do that is equipping the people that are already on the ground yeah that are there which is which is so powerful so um i it's, love love that it's been an honor to work alongside these guys because they're they're going in looking for again the local church how can we find the local church and where it's alive literally a lot where yeah, there's living yeah. people that are a part of the church there and go and going and working with them to find the people in the villages with most need it's it's alarming the stuff we get to see, but also I can only imagine just humbling to get to be a part of what God's doing over there. Cause he's doing cool things. People are coming to know Jesus. The church is, awesome. is experiencing a form of revival. <laughs> we could spend the whole podcast just talking about the revival that's happening in Ukraine uh, because God is moving. Well, uh, well, we're not done yet, but this, since it's a, a shorter podcast that we have, yeah. I will definitely have you on. I would love to have you back on another time yeah. too. And um, to, to go into a little bit more with what you're seeing on the mm-hmm. ground and, and those pieces. So we'll just do that. But, but I'm curious to hear from you. And, and so our, our listeners can hear as well, you know, yeah. what wisdom would you offer someone who has a heart to serve mm-hmm. on the mission field or to be able to help during, not just with Ukraine, but just in general? Yeah. Too? Yeah. I, I think my gut instinct response to that is get ready <laughs> because in the same mm-hmm. way that I needed to 
find $300 and the faith that it took to find $300, the Lord might be using things in your life right now to prepare you for something like going on the missions field that you have no idea is even in sight. Um, But if you do have something in sight, if you have a heart for someplace, if you're like, man, I see these videos about these kids in Uganda and it breaks my heart. I want to go there someday. Then do the steps it takes to be ready to go. Because what if, what if, what if you called somebody and said, Hey, uh, I, I just had an extra thousand dollars and I, and I feel like Lord's supposed to, you're supposed to go to Uganda or like, can you go tomorrow? Uh, if you're sitting there and you're like, I've had a heart for this. I earnestly desire to like share Jesus in this region or whatever. Um, but you don't have a passport and you're not ready. <laughs> then, right. Right. Then, then your call saying, Hey, I've got the funds for you to go. It stops there. Mm-hmm. So if God's called you to something, begin to prepare for it, whether it's taking little steps or getting your passport. If you don't have a passport, but you have a heart for overseas missions, you're never going to go on overseas missions right. until you have your passport. Get ready for what God's calling you to do by taking the simple little steps. Put little practices into your life, just disciplines that you, you know, like Mm, carve out disciplines in your life that are going to allow you to be prepared for when God calls you somewhere. Uh, I have some friends who take the gospel to um, unreached people in the Himalayas and you know what? And they do it for like two weeks, every couple of years. You know what they do the rest of the time? They, they work out. Because they know they're going to be hiking yep. at enormously high, uh, what's the word? Sea altitude. level. Altitude, <laughs> altitude. yeah. <laughs> yes. For long periods of time, they can't go do that unless they're ready physically. So uh, I guess my, it's less wisdom <laughs> so and more good. just an invitation. Get ready for what God's calling you to do because you're not going to do it if you're sitting on the sidelines. Man, so good. You guys get ready and loved how you walked that out. So thank you for that. And last question here, Andy, you know, how can people partner with you? I know we've been, we've been running for those that are watching this. Um, We we've been putting your information across, but how can people partner to you to help people others around the world? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking that because the reality is we have people willing to give their lives for Jesus. If it, if that's the cost by driving vans to the front lines of a war zone, the mm-hmm. only way we do that is if people that hear these stories give, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, that's the most simple way to invite people to be a part. Maybe you have a heart to go drive. Maybe you're watching this and you have a church or something that wants to bring a team to Ukraine to help us split firewood, to shuttle to the front lines. There's right. ways like that. You can get involved in any number of ways. If you have a heart to go as a missionary, then call us or email us. You see the website scrolling, just go there and apply. Let's start talking. But for most people, the invitation to be a part, the the real need is for you to give because uh, that's been the only way we facilitate any of the things we've done. We're a tiny organization. We've raised about a half a million dollars and we've probably spent 600 grand. Like it's gone. (laughs) As fast as it comes in, we're buying food or trucks or gasoline or fixing axles or blown tires, whatever. So (laughs) If the Lord's stirring you to be a part, um, go to a jesusmission.org slash donate and you can give right there. Um, you can choose to give it to the Ukraine thing or just to, to the mission in general um, as we keep pushing forward missionaries. Uh, yeah, but again, Sharon, the invitation is to be a part with us. Don't right. just sit on the sidelines. If you I have a passport, it. especially if you know how to drive a stick shift, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> uh, if you have a heart for anything, we have missionaries in 18 countries that are 
that love having people come be a part. So yeah, let's go. Oh, let's go, you guys. I love it. Andy, thank you so much yeah. for joining us again. And, you know, my friends, make sure you check out A Jesus Mission. Here's a fun fact. When you purchase my book, A Joyful Entrepreneur, Insider Secrets to Blending Business and with Faith on Amazon, all the proceeds go directly to A Jesus Mission forever. Like yeah. forever. They're going all proceeds. They're going, you guys. So it's amazing. Um, love it. Love it. You are awesome, Andy. We're going to be continuing to pray for you and yeah. support you in every way we can. So um, my friends listening, thank you for tuning in. And we will be back with our next amazing modern day superhero in about two weeks. Until then, and as always, use your superpower to change someone's life for the better today. Bye for now.